This is the 911 Calls Podcast with the operator and his trusty junior assistant, Mr. Luna. Miss Debbie, you're going to have to shut up, okay? I need you to listen listen to me. Yes, ma'am. Hey, Luna, remember last episode when we talked about uh, the drownings? Yes, it was last episode, very clearly. Yeah, I've got more. Okay, okay good. All right. There's, there's, there's two common themes here. I was going to put this into one like super drowning special, but I thought calling it a drowning special just seemed wrong. Yeah, it does sound wrong. Definitely sounds wrong. For sure. A drowning special. Also, there is another common thread, though, here. Remember I was talking about compassion fatigue? Mm-hmm. You know, that whole, you kind of let your foot off the gas when you give your two weeks notice or, you know, certain certain events. You went on for like, I don't know, eight minutes about it, I think. Yeah, it was really in-depth. It was journalistically excellent. Probably win a Pulitzer for that or something. Yeah. Probably some kind of comment award. Mm. But uh, de- so that's that's rearing its ugly head again in this episode where this dispatcher, once again, she had given her two weeks notice oh. ahead of uh, today's 911 call. Okay. So let's just jump right in and get our feet wet. All right. Yeah. Let's see how she blows it. Yeah, let's see how she blows it. That's what she said. Wait, what? No, that's what he said. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, so anyway, so this first call, it's Deborah Stevens who's calling in. She was working her normal newspaper delivery route in Fort Smith, Arkansas, when the rising floodwaters began to overtake her SUV. So, uh, you ready for me to hit play? I am. All right, here we go. I want an emergency, a severe emergency. I'm in a flooding. My car is veered off the road while I'm doing my newspapers, and I'm flooded over here on the end of Kincaid, and it's all the way up to my windows, and I can't get out, and I'm scared to death, ma'am. Can you please help me? I need you to calm down. I need you to tell me where you are. I'm on the, I don't know, ma'am. I'm on the end of Kincaid down here by these apartments. There's some apartments on Kincaid. I don't know what they're called. What color is on the other side of Kincaid, at the very end of Kincaid Street, there's some apartments. And I right. thought, do you I have a car? dark blue car, is what I'm asking you? What color is your vehicle? Yeah, dark. It's, it's gray SUV, right in the window. The mortar's all the way up to my windows. Okay, hold on for me. Don't hang up. And it's coming in my windows. I mean, I'm floating in water right now, ma'am, ma'am. And you're at close to the area, 5801 Kincaid? Uh, yes, ma'am. I need help right now. I'm, 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 I'm soaking wet. I'm sick, and I can't. I don't know what to do, ma'am. Okay, what's your name? Debbie Stevens. Please help me. I don't want to die. And you're not going to die. Hold on. Yeah, well, I need. I, I'm scared. I'm sorry. I didn't know the water. I couldn't see the water when I came up on it, man. It just all of a sudden hit me. And you're in a gray van. I'm in a gray SUV. A Mazda CX-9. Are you are a paper person? Yes, I'm a paper person. Please send somebody fast. I can't, I'm scared. Okay, listen, I can't clear. I can't clear. I'm going to drown. 
You're not going to drown. Just calm down. Well, man, I'm going to reach to my chest. Okay, Please, understand. Hold on for me. I'm scared. I'm sorry. It's fine to be scared. You have a right to be scared. I'm scared. I'm <laughs> did, you, did you go off the road into a ditch? No, ma'am. I was in the, in the parking lot of the, of the apartment cutting through to go to my paper box because I couldn't go down 66th Street because it was flooded. And when I got to the end, I didn't see I couldn't see the water in that driveway. And there was water everywhere. And it just it just took me away and started pulling me. Just that fucking me in and then my, then my car died. How long is it gonna be, ma'am? My thumb's gonna die, and I can't charge it. It's gonna get wet. It's all the way up. It's all the way up to my neck, almost. Okay, hold on for me. Hello. I'm listening to you, so I said, hold on for me. Hold on, please help me. Hold please help me. I don't wanna die. Miss Debbie, I need you to calm down and hold on, okay? Oh, I'm scared, ma'am. I'm sorry. I'm scared. I need the cops to come help me. I need somebody to help me. I'm scared. Are the only one in the vehicle? Yes, I'm the only one in the vehicle with all my papers floating around me. Okay, listen to me. Make sure yes, you're in the area of 5801 10K. I don't know what 5801 10K is. I don't know. I just know there's two sets of apartments no, over there. Sure. She's not sure. Listen to me. I you're, listen to me. If you're doing the paper, yes. you got to know at least a little bit of where you are. I just did this paper route over here, ma'am. I was cutting through to go to my paper route because I didn't get down 60 Tell me where you see then. What do you see? It's an apartment because all I see is an apartment. I don't know the names of any of these apartments. What, are the apartment? I don't what does the apartment complex look like? I, I can't see them, but man, there's two sets of apartment complexes, one on the right, one on the left. And I'm in the back side of them back here in a bunch of grass. Looks like a bunch of trees. Okay, I'm going to send somebody out there to you, okay? What? It's always getting up to me. I'm scared. How long is it going to take? I don't have an officer available, so it's going to take a minute. So I'm going to try to get somebody out there to you this morning, okay? I'm going to die. It's all the way up to my windows. I'm going to die. You're not I can't die. die. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, all right. A lot's going on there. <laughs> I'd say, man, man, you let that run for a while. My heart, my heart's beating really, really quick. I feel a lot of anxiety. I, I don't know if I told you this before, up, but I have anxiety uh, issues, like a lot of people do. <clears throat> I don't like to talk about them much. I usually drown them. Well, that's a poor choice of words here in alcohol, and I've been laying off. My anxiety is through the roof on this one, man. I can't breathe. I'm having trouble breathing. Okay, what's your first response? Like, what? What? What's a? Uh... Hold on. Let me let me address that for a second. I'm sorry. I'm trying to tell you, Op. I can't breathe. I'm trying to tell you, I can't breathe. It's up to my neck. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I'll uh, let me. I'll address that really quick. I'm sorry that you you have anxiety. I should address that. Don't be sorry. That's not what I'm looking for. Okay. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that you let that call run for quite, quite some time and normally you hop in and that was just, that was really, that was really hard to listen to. It's coming up to her neck. She has to call her mommy. She's saying she wants to call her mommy. There's a lot going on there. Listening to Deborah's reaction, I can pretty confidently say that she and the dispatcher wouldn't have been fast friends. No. Would you agree with that? Oh, I completely agree. 
Yeah, she wasn't taking her seriously. I'm not. I can't tell if the dispatcher's not taking her seriously or she just is really, genuinely frustrated because you're dealing with a newspaper person who doesn't know exactly where they are and she can't get a real clear idea of where to send send help to her. But right from the start, the dispatcher sounds a little like uh, this whiny, this whiny woman, oh, exaggerating the situation she's in. Right, so. Yeah. Right. It this is a bit of a challenging one because you listen to the call and and you're like, wow, this lady is very dramatic. If you look into this at all, you'll find that the dispatcher seems like a very no nonsense lady. Yes. Right. And the the caller in this case is probably the kind that um, you know she, she. If you say, how are you doing? You get an actual response of how she's doing. Oh right! You know, it's I not just you. a you know a passive question. She's like, "Oh, my back or my hips or my back." Yes, there's a guy at the gas. He works at the gas station here. Who's just like that? I used to work with him at the gas station. Yeah, you got to catch yourself that you don't say how you're doing to certain people. No. She just seems she seems very animated. She seems very an active talker, and you can tell that the dispatcher Deborah was annoying to her. But, you know, as my grandma never used to say, if you can't say something nice, at least do your job and get a rescue unit in the route, you know. So, so is this dispatcher getting, like, it seems to be taking a very long time on her end, because they do have the street, they have the intersection by the sounds of things, correct? Yes, uh, if, you, if you listen right. in the call, she knows where she's at almost immediately. Right, right. She's identified the apartment complex. She's identified that she's at the end of Kincaid. I mean, there, there is explicit information that details her whereabouts. To your question, the dispatcher sent the call three minutes oh, no. after the call had started to police dispatch. So it took her three minutes to send it to dispatch. Oh, man. Yeah, she, she was saying it was up to her chest and it's up to my neck, ma'am. This is uh, harrowing. Yeah. There's more to this call. Would you like for me to hit play? Ooh. Yes, sure. Here we go. Ma'am, it's all the way up to me. Ma'am, ma'am. Listen to me, Miss Debbie. Just stay on the phone with me. I want to get somebody out there to you. Just hold on. Don't listen to the donkey man because it's going to run my phone because my phone's going to get wet. Hold on for me. I'm going to get out and swim. If I could, I would. But I don't know how to swim, baby. I'm scared. And there's people over there watching me, and they're probably laughing. They're over there looking at me. People are looking at you, and they're not going to help you. Who's at the cars over there? They're just all looking at me like I'm stupid. I couldn't help it. I love it. They just started pulling me down the road. Okay, hold on for me. I got my lights on in my car. That's the only thing you can see. I'm not just laid out. It's getting wet. It's getting bad. It's all because of my steering wheel. I'm going to crash. But there's nothing I can do sitting in a chair, so you're going to have to hold on, and I'm going to send you somebody, okay? Okay. Hello? Hold on, I'm still here. Hold on. Ma'am, please hurry. Listen to me. I understand. Hold on for me. Die. You're not gonna die. My SUV, my SUV is ruined. 
I mean, thank you. Even though you can't swim, I think you can still stand up in this. How tall are you? Taller me, taller than me. I don't think so. I don't know. I'm only five foot tall. Okay, well, you're not three foot, so you'll be just fine. Okay. Well, the cops can't get in my house. I don't live very far. Ten-four. They're pulling somebody else out the water, and as soon as they do, they'll come to you, so just stay right there, okay? The back side of these apartments over here, where these people are at, they can all see me. They're all standing out there watching them. Ms. Debbie, you're going to have to shut up, okay? I need oh, you to listen, listen to me. Yes, ma'am. Can you start your... Um, is your car still on there? Like, can you honk your horn? My horn is dead. Okay, hold on for me. My horn is dead. Okay, hold on for me. Everything is dead. Listen to me. Hold on. Who, fire? Are they really? That's even higher. It's all the way past my door. Hold on for me. Don't hang up. Ma'am, please. Hold on for me. Hold on. Ladder two. Oh, my God. Oh, ma'am, my car is starting to move. Please. Okay, listen to me. I know. I'm, I'm trying to get you as help as I can, okay? Just hold on for me. Okay, ma'am, please. I, I know you're scared. I know. Hold on for me because I've got to take other calls plus you and listen okay, to Okay, ma'am. Okay, ma'am. Okay. Okay, ma'am. Okay. 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 <laughs> Dear Lord, please just get me out. Dear Lord, please help him find me. Dear Lord, please. <laughs> please. Station one, number seven is wanting you to go ahead and clip up the boat and get it ready if they should need you. Okay, I know. Listen to me. They are in the area. They are trying to find you. They cannot find you right now. I'm trying to ping where you are, so do not hang up because this 911 call is helping me ping your location. So don't don't hang up on me. Okay, where are you moving to? Tell me where it's going. Okay, tell me where you are. Listen to me, hold on. I'm on the phone with her right now. She is legit freaking out. She said the vehicle is now moving in the water and she doesn't know which way it's going, so stand by. Okay, is the water up to your neck? Yes! Hold on for me. Can you tell me? Tell me where you are. Okay, so are you still on that same road? Have you hit the yes, bushes? I am. I just found, I just found the road there. My phone. My phone. My phone. My phone. My phone. My phone. My you are breathing just fine because you are screaming at me. So calm down. I need to calm down. I know that you are scared. Hold on for me. Miss Debbie. Miss Debbie. Miss Debbie. 
Oh my god, did they? Because she sounds like she's underwater now. They just, they, they're just hitting up the boat. <laughs> Miss Debbie? Okay. Oh boy. Where to go? So, you can tell on the call how that call ends. No police units were available. And the police didn't dispatch a patrol unit until 10 minutes after Deborah had called. That means nobody was even on their way for 10 minutes after she called, not to mention the drive time, the location time, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. And at one point, the dispatcher tells Deborah, as you could hear on the call, to shut up. Yeah. I just struggle with this one. I struggle because I keep going back to the, the fact that I wonder if... You know, the fact that she had already kind of knew she was on her way out of being a dispatcher, did that, you know, did that uh, affect her? Was she dispassionate at the beginning of this call? Because toward the end, you can tell she's she's very anxious. She's very anxious to get things going. But this call was 20 plus minutes long. Who's who's anxious? The woman who drowned, you're saying? The dispatcher. At the end, she knows, she knows, you heard her say she's legit. Well, at the end, yeah. At the end, 20, 20, how long, how far in was was she before she started to take it seriously? Because when she was saying, I can't breathe, remember that that part there where she was like, can't breathe over and over? That was pure panic. That was. It's over at that point. I mean, unless they've got eyes on the car. Oh, man, that was rough, Hop. What are we doing here, Hop? We're recounting actual. We are. Actual real life events. We are. All right. This isn't fun anymore. And not that it ever really was all that fun. I mean, we had a bit of fun, but I'm not having fun now. I was speechless after the, after that. I haven't, like I said, heard these. We're going to be doing a thing on Patreon for dark calls that are calls that I thought that this would be the type of call we'd do on dark calls, but we're going to, we just did one. <laughs> they're all dark. Yeah. I mean, 911 calls, right? They're all, they're all pretty dark. Yeah, they are. There are, there, you know, there are some, and it's a judgment call on each one as to whether or not does this make it to the public, oh. you know, 911 calls podcast, or are they going to be dark calls? The dark calls, I can tell you, are just straight up dark. They're either unresolved. Right. To that point, with regard to the dispatchers, I cannot imagine that job. No. I can't imagine in a day what they, they go from maybe something positive to being pranked all the time to butt dials to actual traumatic events. It's, it's an immense job. It's an immense job. Yeah. I gotta admit because uh, I don't think the audience will hear the amount that we had that we went through there. You'll probably cut it down quite a bit. But she was talking for like yeah twenty minutes, twenty five minutes on the phone. So, twenty plus minutes, yes. Right. So the operator, you know, at some point probably thought that she had it pegged right that this woman is just freaking out over making a wrong move and the water's up to her waist and she's losing it. Didn't take her as seriously as she should. Did the water, did she get swept away into deeper water at some point? Yes. Okay, that's what it felt like was happening. At some point, the car moved, and, and it's unknown as to how far it moved, but you can tell she kind of regains composure there for a moment when she asks her, what do you see? And she's like, I can't see out of the windshield. And then it was over shortly thereafter. So, hey, I got a question for you, Luna. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what services are typically sent out on a 911 call? Which which emergency services are sent? Uh, the, the police the paramedics and fire department 
Yeah, right. And 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 oftentimes they're all called, especially if they don't know specifically what's needed, right? Mm-hmm. So of those three, which one do you think can carry a rescue boat to a scene? Uh, the fire department? Yeah, right. Here's an interesting fact. In the official investigative report, it states that a fire truck containing a rescue boat, remember, this is a car caught in the flood. Mm-hmm. Boat is probably pretty important. Didn't arrive for 20 minutes. Yeah. Rescuer didn't get to Deborah's flooded car for fifty-eight minutes. This is this is horrible, man. I uh, I don't want to exa- feel it sound like I'm exaggerating the way I'm feeling about this. I don't know. Normally, I can really take things right on the chin and just almost have to fake empathy at times because I'm so over saturated. Uh, what's what's the word? Jaded. What's, yeah, yeah, jaded. The fatigue, uh, compassion fatigue, but. But this this woman sounded like a little kid as she was starting to go down. As it was getting higher, she started to sound like a child begging. Reminded me of my own uh, kids at times when they get really serious about something. Like there's a point where you're, you're you're whiny. A child can be whiny, and then when they're truly scared, like say for an example, my son got his leg stuck in a chair the other day, and I I could tell he was very the pitch changed in his voice from like a whininess right whininess a consistent whininess to like a higher pitch of of, of panic and that happened there on that call that was uh, that was very sad very disturbing and you could tell that the that the dispatcher at some point there was like oh when you heard her go under she was like oh shit. she's like I uh this is real we might need to get that boat there now yes they did try to re- revive her and they were unsuccessful in reviving Deborah. Um, an investigation was done and the dispatcher was cleared of any wrongdoing. You know, the interesting thing here is for all the opinion that we have and the lack of journalistic integrity in our punditry on these calls, we strive very much to make sure that we've got the, the details and everything. And I will tell you this, that the incident reports and everything that I have on this call sum it up. It, it, it was a very serious event. There's a whole lot going on behind this call. A whole lot. And at different times, like the police weren't available at first. And then, you know, the situation gets more severe. So she actually, the dispatcher bumped it up in priority at a certain point, but not right away. I mean, it didn't happen right away. It took several minutes before she did that. So let me circle back now. So this is another one where it could maybe be said that, you know, she gave her two weeks notice and she's, um, you know, on her way out as far as this job goes. And can you imagine being as jaded as you're going to be on being a 911 dispatcher and knowing that you're the light at the end of the tunnel? It's only conjecture, but I've got to imagine that uh, at the beginning of this call sounded very much like a weary 911 dispatcher that didn't want to have to deal with this lady. Yeah, yeah, she, she just definitely did a little burnt out thought that she had her pegged right off the bat. Maybe she did. Like, you know, this is... Maybe she did for a minute. She had her pegged. Maybe she was exaggerating a little... Or not exaggerating. Maybe she could have... There's a few things she could have done to prevent this from getting worse and worse, right? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she had an obesity issue. For some reason, I'm assuming that, that she wasn't able to get get out of the vehicle, roll down her window, crawl out of the window. Right. Um, she was stuck right off the bat, right? I'm assuming that. Do you know that? Do you know if she had an obesity issue? I don't know that. She did say, though, at one point in the call, she said that the water was rising. She's sick. Hey, can, you, can we, can we, you know what? I feel like this is one of those moments where the call really spoke for itself. Um, and for yes, me personally, I don't want to risk saying anything stupid because I'm an idiot. Uh, the more uncomfortable I get, the more I reach for jokes. And I don't think it's appropriate at all after what we just heard from my end. I agree. 
I agree. I think we move right on to the drum roll, please. Please. Yeah. The palate cleanser. Here we go. Okay, great. Thank you. Gonna jump right in on this one. So you ready for me to hit play? I'm ready. Here we go. Right after a quick commercial break, we go to pay the bills. All right, here we go. All right, Okay, just reassure him. Give him a thumbs up and reassure him. Okay, reassure him. Keep reassuring him. All right. Well, that was a bit different than what we've ever heard before. As you can tell, it it didn't uh, sound like a normal 911 call. That's because, surprise, it wasn't. It was not a 911 call. I, I sound like the recovery team finally getting that uh, newspaper lady out of the vehicle. Is that what that was? It, it sounds like a recovery. Actually, you're not too far off because in the recovery team situations, that's how a diver communicates with people up on the surface is through a microphone system like that so you're not far off here actually so here's a breakdown of what we've heard so far so back in 2013 harrison okine was a 29 year old cook on board a tugboat called the jackson four not to be confused with the jackson five which was a band um not a tugboat <laughs> i don't even believe any of the jacksons knew how to swim i could be wrong there but uh, uh. it's hard to hard to know because you can't ask Michael. Yeah, yeah, they knew to sing and dance. For sure, though. What a group. Yes, they did. Beautiful singers, beautiful dancers. Not great tugboats. Wow. So the tugboat, the Je- the Jackson 4, the tugboat was assisting in stabilizing an oil tanker about 20 miles off of the Nigerian coast. The seas at the time became very rough and the rogue wave capsized the tugboat and it began to sink almost instantly. Harrison said... It was around 5 a.m. and I was on the toilet when the vessel just started going down. The speed was so, so fast, he said. The boat rapidly sank to a depth of about 100 feet on the floor of the Atlantic Ocean. The water swept him into another toilet. Wearing only his underpants, Okene prayed as water seeped slowly but steadily into a four-foot square air bubble in the cabin. Yeah, I'm familiar with this case. I covered it on uh, like a Patreon episode. Not that I'm trying to plug Patreon. I sound like I am. I'm not. Um, sound like you're trying to be better than me, like you already covered my case, man. <laughs> but, well, you are better than me. Let's be honest. I, d- I don't want to get ahead of any of this, but uh, Okene, he, yeah, he was, 
he was using the washroom because he was the cook on the ship, right? Right. And it was about 5 a.m. Yep. He was getting up early. And everybody else, I don't, I'll probably getting ahead of you, but he, he unlocked himself because they were, they were all locked into their individual cabins because of uh, fear of pirates, I believe. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Because of where they were on the Nigerian coast, there was a lot of piracy. And so at night or when you went to sleep, you, you locked yourself in, you secured yourself very well. I believe the total number on the, the boat was 12 mm-hmm. and 11 of them were locked in their various and sundry compartments. Right. All right. Well, got, I, got, I got more of this call. You ready for me to hit play I on the next ready. part? Here we go. We're going to have him on the umbilical. Okay. So you'll be attached like that. First, we'll get him dressed and then we're basically going to... How's that passage to bring him out? Is it okay? <laughs> Is it? All right. So, Nico, uh, Daryl, you're going to have to stand at the passageway and pull both umbilicals, okay? Nico, you're going to have to basically, basically, uh, he's going to have to hold your hand or your leg, okay? While you climb back out, he follows you like that, yeah? But what we'll do is we'll get him into that pool there, breathing, all happy, and he doesn't take it slowly, all right? Okay. Hello, my friend. Can you hear me? Okay, listen to me. You're gonna, we're putting the hat on so you can breathe, okay? All right, now, you mustn't panic, okay? You must listen to me, all right? All right. We're going to take you in the water, and we're going to take you to the bell, okay? And then we're going to bring you home, okay? All right. So now you... I just want you to keep calm, okay? Are you feeling okay? Are you sore? Have you got any injuries? Okay. Okay. All right, let's go. You hold your umbilical and you listen to me, okay? All right, we're going now. Put your head under water and breathe comfortably, okay? Okay, how's that? Are you alright, Harrison? Are you comfortable? <laughs> take him nice and sturdy, okay? Hold your umbilical, Harrison. Let go, okay? We're bringing you home. Alright, first, first, can you peg the accent? What accent are you hearing here? Do you know? Oh, um... Uh, no. South African, maybe? South African, yeah. It's kind of a mix between like Australian yeah. and English, like a British right. kind of thing, like in the middle there somewhere. I was going to guess New Zealand. He used to have a, a buddy that was a jockey. Uh, he was from Africa. Right. Little guy. Cuddly. <laughs> not cuddly. He was not cuddly. He was... So you're going to say huge. Huge guy. <laughs> huge, huge little guy. He was... Uh, he was very type A. I think a lot of jockeys are. They're very type A. He had a high level of type A in this. Just serious levels. Oh, yeah. Little man syndrome, right? But the thing wasn't is kind of sad because he was a very successful jockey. So he didn't need to have the little man syndrome. But, but you know. I hate accents. They gr- grind on me. I know. You have like this funny, adverse reaction to like the people that no one else in the world hates. Like you're like, I hate British people. <laughs> I don't hate them. <laughs> Who hates British people? I just they all talk no even the kids talk proper. Like the kids the kid the kids have the same slang as the grandparents. Hey, I love good British people though. Okay, stop messaging me and telling me that you hate my accent. Yeah, no, you don't hate British people. I don't. I just hate your accent. I hate the way you talk, that's all. You don't hate them. <laughs> Something about it, right? Right. Yeah. All right. So, hey, here's a fun fact. So, the reason 
that the diver in the audio you just heard sounded like a chipmunk. Right. Is because he was using a diving technique called saturation diving. It's a diving technique that allows the diver to reduce the risk of decompression sickness, also known as the bends, mm-hmm. when they work at great depths for long periods of time. It's interesting. Saturation divers typically breathe a helium oxygen mixture to prevent nitrogen narcosis, which isn't the same as decompression sickness, I found out actually. But it's it's a reversible alteration of consciousness similar to being drunk. It's really crazy. So they use this mixture so that they're literally not drunk on the job. Huh. Wow. So I wonder if there's moments where like that all falls apart and they're on their way towards some kind of type of disaster. And this kicks in, and towards their death, they're laughing and looking at each other wild-eyed like they can't help themselves, you know, because they're like on this laughing gas, eternal gas. And Imagine going down like that, like you know you should be terrified, but you can't help but tittering and giggling. Right. Ooh, that's spooky. Yeah, or like, uh, or I'm sorry, but if someone was like, I'm dying, (laughs) I'm dying. I'm laughing. (laughs) I would... I would be hard to not laugh at that. Take anything they say seriously. I think I just found my way that I want to die just now. That's the way I want to die. Helium over toxicity. In a submarine, just dive bombing into the deep. Breathing that mixture must be challenging because I feel lightheaded whenever I suck on, you know, suck all the air out of a balloon. You suck on a lot of balloons. I, I, uh, I don't like sucking on balloons. I don't like doing that. I, it doesn't really work. I think people are faking it a little bit, to be honest. Have I showed you what happens if you huff compressed air, like from one of those compressed air canisters? Have I shown you what happens? No. Isn't that uh, like, do what, whippets? Is it a whippet? <laughs> Is it your voice goes low? Oh, right. Your yeah, okay. voice does the opposite of what it does with, you op- did show with me helium. That. Your voice gets really low and you're like, oh my gosh. One time I did it in a Target in the office supply section with my brother. <laughs> I was 36 <laughs> and I showed him how to do it. And I got so dizzy. I was like laying underneath the cabinetry there. And he was like, you got to get up. I'm like, I can't get up because I'm just, I can't see straight. <laughs> it was so crazy. I'm sure I was on camera somewhere. Uh, anyway, I guess back to the story, right? So decompression. Okay. So what's happening? Like what's, what's going on? Like, okay. So, so we got these divers gone down there. Harrison is in the friggin', he, he got sucked in and he's in an air bubble, right? Yes. So Harrison went on to say all around me, it was just black and noisy. He said, I was crying and calling on Jesus to rescue me. I prayed so hard. He said, I was so hungry and thirsty and cold. And I was just praying to see some kind of light. He'd been underwater for almost 60 hours and they began hearing a hammering on the deck. A team of South African divers had been sent to the sunken ship on a body recovery operation. That's what they were there. They were there to recover bodies. Can I step in here for one second? Because I'm remembering something about this case. Yeah, yeah. So all of his friends got either swept out or they they drowned in their bunks because they they were locked in. He got out because he was getting prepared for his day of cooking. When it went down, they did send down divers like right away to check to see if there was any survivors and they were banging on it then, but he banged back and they didn't hear him. So they gave up on it for three days because the waters were so rough. So imagine when he went down right away, a diving crew went down to check to do the knocking thing to hear if they heard anything and they didn't hear any response so they left for three days so yes then they came back that's from my research yeah okay yeah so the diving crew yeah when they went down the second time they just intended to find dead bodies yeah and this guy's still in there I don't know to be honest I don't know if they had already retrieved some 
But on the call, what you can hear happening is someone above the ocean in the normal human air right. had a map of the ship. And so they are guiding. Yes. You can hear them guiding the diver, like, take a left, take a right. Now you're going to see this. Yes. And so they're guiding them to different various areas. I don't know if they recovered bodies at this point yet. They had. They had. They, they, I think two or three. They had run into a few already because when they come across them, they say, oh, you got another one. Okay just a terrifying situation. Again, I don't want to get ahead of you, but... Terrifying job, too, man. So, uh, Kenny, he's in that first air bubble, right? And he starts to run out of air. So he dives down and gets into a bigger air bubble into the captain's quarters, I believe it was. And now he's got enough air for him to breathe. He should have run out of air within those three days that he was, or 60 hours he was down there. But him moving around in the water increased the surface area of, of the water. And it was sucking out, what is it, the carbon dioxide? Yeah, the CO2. So he risked having getting hypoxia, right? Right. So he was actually, by splashing around a bit, he was saving his own life by the absorption, right? What's really interesting is you can also look this up. There's video, there's camera footage from the diver's helmet. So you see this footage of this guy swimming around this boat in murky water and he's terrifying. You think of it from his perspective and there's light, you know, there's a camera, you see debris and everything. Imagine being Harrison. He's freaking in the dark. He doesn't know what he's touching. Could be whatever wants to come and eat him. And you know that he was hearing that the entire time. He was hearing fish come into the boat, bang around the boat and eating his friends. He could hear them chow chowing down. Oh. And he had he had a bottle of Coke. He had one bottle of Coke for the entire time. His shirt was off the whole time. He ripped off pieces of uh, drywall off of the walls and made himself a little perch to sit on. It must have been terrifying. And he spent the entire time praying. He promised God that he would never go out to sea again if he... Uh, were to be saved. It seems like a silly promise to me, though, because you weren't doing anything wrong, Harrison, by being out at sea. Like, promise something else, but... Right. Maybe maybe it's a bit of convenient promise, actually. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, I'm never going back out there, so I'll just throw this one up to heaven. Right. You know, hey, man, I'll, I promise I'll never go back if you save me. <laughs> God's like, oh, you got me. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't want to go back anyways. You weren't going to go anyway. I'm terrified of the sea now. Okay, I gotta, again, up. I'm gonna step all over you here because... I don't know what else you got going on, and I'm sorry for this, but... So, the hammering, I don't think it was the hammering, it was that he actually reaches down and grabs the guy, right? Yes, so he sees his light. He yes. sees the light coming at him, so he puts his hand down, and he, he says he didn't want to he didn't want to scare him. Right. But he, yes, his hand was in the water, and he was holding it there so the guy could see it. And you can hear on the call, they say, oh, you've got it, like you said, like, oh, you've got another one. And you can hear the diver. It scares the diver at first. So I mean, why wouldn't, how would that not scare you? Right. But and so he's like, okay, you got another one. And then there's that moment, and then Harrison's hand moves oh and everything. It's so terrifying. The video is very terrifying. I think I misheard you, though. Like, you're saying that they were hammering, and he, he could hear them. <clears throat> Harrison could hear that they were in the boat. He could hear them. The second time down, whether it was just because of, like, their operational gotcha. banging around or whatever, but they started to hear his response. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. I, I missed that part the first time. Who knows what they thought it was. They seemed very shocked when they saw his hand come down and grab him. Harrison had to get down into the water to be able to, to be able to do that too, because they were kind of going past yes. uh, outside of a door that was submerged, and he had to like dive underneath the water and reach his hand out, time it, and imagine he missed, like he misses him the second time. I'm sure if, he didn't have much time left. They said that when they found him, he didn't have much time. He did not. 
He did not. It, two interesting things. I don't know if that would age you so much being under there like that. But he doesn't look 29. You you see the video of him. He doesn't look 29. But then also, again, he looks like he just saw a ghost. He, yeah. He's at the look on his face is is astonishing. Yeah, he looks he looks like he's um, he might be taking in. He's not sure if they're ghosts or spirits or something, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm sure you're not fully there, you know, that many days, right? Mm-hmm. And those guys are terrifying, too. Like, the first thing you see after 60 hours are these men that look like aliens dressed in these freaky suits. He definitely looked like he's questioning whether or not this is real. Yes, I, I agree with you. And speaking of the freaky suits, so the way this ends, he gets out, you know, they recover him. But he's so far under the water, he's so deep down that they have to consider that they need to avoid him getting the bends. Mm-hmm. So they 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 affix a diving bell apparatus to him, give him some instruction, and have him get down in the water to to dive. You know, do what the divers do and reemerge mm-hmm. the same way. Can you imagine? You're a cook on a boat. And then the next thing you know, if you want to live, you've got to now wear a deep, deep diver diving bell. And you got a fast track education on how to become a scuba diver, basically. It's amazing. He was he was amazing. It's not that. Well, I mean, it's surprising that he survived. But the fact they said about him, I remember, was um, how they couldn't believe how calm and cool he was. Because like, it was a dicey situation. If he had have panicked um, on the way out when they were guiding him out, if he had a panic, they, you know, he could take somebody down with him, uh, rip somebody's respirator or whatever, right? And they said he was very calm, collected. Uh, when he did get to the top, he... He thought he had been down there for 12 hours. Oh, really? Just that long, huh? Yeah, he thought it was like just, you know, it might be the next day, but it was 60. Remember that show Crime Machine? Remember that one? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I remember that. One of the things that I enjoyed about that show was just putting, be, for a moment, being in an environment that we never think about. One of the feelings as I was researching this one, I thought, oh man, could you imagine this? So he's in his underwear, Right. He's got a diving bell on his head. I'm imagining. And then suddenly he has to travel 100 feet in open Atlantic water slowly. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if you know, but when you reemerge to, to avoid the nitrogen buildup in your bloodstream, you have to, you, you reemerge as slow as the slowest bubble right. that is yes. around you. And could you imagine being that? Like you have no f- diving experience and suddenly you're in the middle of the ocean. Who knows what could can just roll up on you while you're, oh. you know, going through the 40 degrees, 50 degrees. So, oh my goodness. Let me give you an imagining op too. Cause he was in a situation. I remember him saying his last option, what he was going to do if he really felt like there were, he was going to die down there. There was no rescue coming. He was going to swim down and try to get out. And then if he had done that, if he had been able to manage to get out without drowning, he would have just raced to the surface, comes flying out the top, you know, like, you know, joyous. Oh, my God, I made it. And then those bends hit him. He realizes he's how far off? 12 miles off the coast. 20 miles off the coast. It's probably midnight, knowing his luck. And he just all of a sudden just cramps up. And now you got the you're bent over yourself. And you just sink like a rock. Yeah. What a way to go. This really was a miracle. I mean... Yeah, it's incredible. You don't hear about this happening very often. So, as the music plays, as we fade this episode out, Mm. I just want you to remember, the next time you think you're stuck up Crab Creek, just remember Harrison O'Kinney. He was stuck up Crab Creek with a boat and a guy that talked like a chipmunk. Yeah. So it can always be worse. 
Yeah, like that first call. Like that first call, for sure. That one That one was pretty rough. I almost forgot. All right. That's a successful p- a palate cleanser, then, if you almost forgot about the first call. It helped. That, uh, yeah, so we did, yeah, yeah. ended this well. Well, this was, uh, I guess, sort of a wonky two-part series on drownings and water. Yeah. I'm going to avoid the water for a while. Uh, me too. <laughs> yeah, I think you should. I think we should get back to, you know, tighter calls. Uh, we're probably going to, there's a real hole in the boat right now. There is. It's sinking fast. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's abandon ship on this one. Please, yeah, let's get out of here. All right. Hey, everyone. Hugs. The 911 Calls podcast is an 1159 media production hosted by the operator and his junior assistant to the operator, Mr. Luna. Produced by the operator and supported by friends like you. Help us keep the lights on by supporting us on Patreon, gossiping about the show, and throwing us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until the next call, hugs. Hugs.